My goodness me. Here it is. Predictable. Well choreographed. Perfectly rehearsed. Hello and welcome to a horribly delayed episode 22 of Grassroots, the leading podcast focused on women's rugby at club level. In this pre-season friendly of an episode, we discuss the upcoming tournaments on the 27th of August, rugby's relationship with drinking, and, somewhat ironically, Shez says drains the all-inclusive bar dry in Turkey. We welcome the fabulous Dundee Valkyries to the pod, Jodie Bamboozles Lou with Knock On Knock Off, and Molly had one job to do and made a dog's dinner on it. 22 months out with a triple knee operation. She runs in, tries for fun. Lou. She has got a remarkable strike rate. And I'm Jodie. The forward who can't stop scoring. And Molly. The cannonball coming through. And I'm Matt. This is Grassroots. So I'm going to go grab a glass of wine, so talk amongst yourselves, will be two Fucking minutes. Fucking hell, Matt, you've just gone <laughs> on! <laughs> I'm literally having pause for breath. Oh, <laughs> but you've got time to go and get wine, don't mind us, we've only been on for six minutes in our tight schedules. <laughs> Wait, right, two seconds, talk amongst yourselves. I've also became <laughs> an official adult now. I have got an offer accepted on a house, so I shall Ooh. be... Just doing all the surveying shit, the mortgage applying, surveyors, and you're like, oh my god, so much paperwork. So Very stressful time. Well done, Jude. I know. Good I'm on like you. An actual Lesbian adult. shag pad. That's what I need it for. I can't be seeing people now without house, can I? Can't well, book in hotels in Liverpool every time I fancy a quickie. I mean, not now you're 26, no. Matt, when you come to edit this, please remove that because if Molly listens to this episode. <laughs> I think it's safe to say she possibly will not uh, listen to it. <laughs> That's a warning now. I think actually she probably will, and also <laughs> it won't be anything she hasn't already heard. What well, in- did we talk about in the last episode? Because I'm thinking when that comes out, I can't even remember a single thing we spoke about now. Well, it was that long ago because fucking Matt's been too busy sipping wine rather than editing it. <laughs> Can I hear you? Are you back? Oh, hello, oh. Matthew. How are you doing? Surprise! Welcome. Too busy sipping wine. Jodie was just telling about her latest lady friend has been listening oh, yeah. to the podcast and basically oh, now knows that she, well, one, likes the cock from time to time. Two, has <laughs> recently broke up an engagement and I think she's seen a bit of a red flag and, and now oh, cancelled the date on Friday. Well, she cancelled it. that? Yeah. So. What was her reasoning though? So she just wants to take things slow because she's had, previous history of things not going well i think so haven't we fucking all like come on susan get get with the program you either want the flaps or you don't <laughs> she's never had the flaps before oh, oh jody fuck's sake go for a real leather doesn't work <laughs> doesn't work just rewind a little bit so have you found this one have you found it? <laughs> oh, fucking this hell. one. Have you been? Have you been <laughs> sniffing around the nursing homes again? Oh, no, she's gosh. younger than me. She's actually younger oh, than me. No. She's really yeah. <laughs> the playground instead. Then <laughs> primary schools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I've gone the opposite way this time. She's she's just had a birthday. She's turned twenty five. Mm. She's otherwise straight. Well, no, she's bisexual, but she's only just figuring out that she's bisexual. Maybe she's considering that she's not bisexual and that she's full lesbian, but she's not had a girl. Uh-huh. So you're basically... I'm her first dip in the pool. 
First waltz. First dip in the pool. (laughs) To be fair, though, if I'm relating it back to the podcast, obviously we don't want to get into a deep sexuality talk because we always do. But I think rugby is the place for fluidity. Hmm. Not fluids, though. Why did you use that word? (laughs) Because that's what it's called. Why do you think that? I don't know. I just feel like it's more acceptable. I don't know. Especially at uni, it's pretty common for the football team. Try before you buy. Right. I'm trying to be, bring it back to a level to kind of say, if there is anybody that's not sure if they like girls or boys and they play rugby, it's definitely acceptable. So what comes first though? The the curiosity or the rugby? I think it's a bit of both, isn't it? develops curiosity. I would say the rugby comes first, doesn't it? And then the curiosity happens after. Well, I was curious before rugby. So I think it's a bit of both. Rugby's a great way to find people if you're already curious. But it wouldn't necessarily go and put your life on the line and play rugby just because you're a bit curious. Seriously. Well, Jody might, but, you know, jokes aside, though, what I'm trying to say is when you spend a large proportion of time in that environment, there's obviously the nature-nurture debate, isn't there? Yeah. Obviously, you're in that environment and you grow close to people and then that's kind of, it's more socially acceptable to be a lesbian in a rugby team when I was younger, definitely. So I remember being at my under-15s end-of-season dinner for the girls and then for the first ever time, I saw two girls kissing and I was like, what the fuck? Then it wasn't, and obviously, Louise, you're a little bit older than me, only a few years. Um, Only a couple of years. But, you know, I didn't know any lesbians in my life apart from at rugby. I don't know what it is. I just feel like it's more of a socially acceptable thing in a rugby team. Why do you think yeah, that's interesting? Why do you that is interesting. That gay people gravitate towards rugby, or does rugby make gay people? <laughs> rugby turns you gay. Warning. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I just think, obviously, we've said already that rugby accepts anybody, any race, any religion, any kind of background. We all joke about people that have joined our team with criminal records and done time inside and and all that but none of that really matters on the rugby pitch and I just think it might be more of a environment where you'd feel comfortable being yourself. Do you think it's got anything to do with breaking down sort of gender norms and the fact that women aren't put into the same sort of box of this is where you have to be in your sort of gender role therefore it's a lot more acceptable to experiment in different scenarios whether that's your sexuality or career or anything because you're not put into boxes. Potentially. I reckon there must be loads of studies about it that would be really interesting to read. Obviously, Lou, you played rugby back in the 1970s, whenever it was. So (laughs) was it the same in your first team as well? In other words, did people go into it straight and come out gay? or No, uh, most people went in um, straight and stayed straight because it wasn't necessarily like that back then. I mean, it was quite a while ago. Well, maybe I was just blind to it, to be honest. I don't know. Honestly, it's like 25 years ago. There wasn't that much open being lesbian back then. Mm. <laughs> For want of better words, I don't know how to really put it. I can't remember ever seeing a lesbian couple at uni. No, I can't, actually. And definitely not playing rugby. Because actually, when I was playing rugby at uni, we were all interested in the men's rugby players. And that was it. The women's rugby players got with the men's rugby players and that's kind of how it was that's so then. weird how times changed because when i was at uni mm. the women rugby players were interested in the women football players uh, right no it was totally not like that at all my mm. observation is that and this is like with no knowledge really other than just being around you lot a lot 
is that you don't see women have the wide and diverse social circles that you do in rugby outside of that environment. So my social circle outside of sports is, I'd say it's fairly diverse, you know, male, female, fairly broad, fairly large, really less so these days, obviously because of work and so on. But maybe this is completely naive on my part, but most of the women I know that aren't involved in sports have actually relatively few close friends and they don't tend to hang around with you know, fairly large and diverse groups that often. So in other words, they're not exposed to that same cross-section of society, perhaps. I don't know whether that's true or not. Maybe yeah. just the exposure to rugby makes it go, okay, maybe I could, let's give it a go sort of thing. Yeah. I think both, yes. Yes, Matt, yes, Jodie. I think if you're in a sort of working environment so you don't play sports, you're generally, I might be generalising, uh, but I think your social circle is can be way smaller and less diverse than if you do play sports. And often driven by family. If you think about, I don't know about your your mums, but think about my mum. She had a very, very small number of friends, actually. The most majority of her time was spent with family, either you know, us as kids and my dad or her family. Whereas we had this ridiculous, dysfunctional, extended family that we hang around with all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you think that the perception of women playing rugby, especially because that's what we're talking about sometimes on the pod. Do you think the kind of like stereotype of women's rugby definitely for me is what puts some people off playing because they are seen as, and again, this is just not to offend anyone, but this is what it used to be like is if you play rugby, you're a butch lesbian. Yeah, butch little like, Obviously not now because I'm happily married to a ginger um injury prone man but you know what I mean in terms of obviously like prior to that if I ever went on dating sites or like had a, met someone in a bar and they were like oh what do you do in your spare time and I'm like I play women's rugby it's a firm oh you're ghosted like and I know a lot really? of people yeah I know a lot of my mates on our rugby team who've been on tinder or bumble or whatever the thing is Jodie you'll know well but they've been ghosted by boys because they play rugby Wow. That's toxic um, masculinity, isn't it? I've definitely experienced that, actually, because I've obviously played rugby since before I got married and then got married and carried on playing rugby, you know, over the years and stuff. But um, my ex-husband's group of friends had never come across someone, a lady who plays rugby, and their perception was very interesting. What? She's not a lesbian? Are you sure? Because <laughs> she does play rugby. And... I just think it's really interesting, you know, different people's perceptions of what or who you must be just because you play rugby. It's really interesting. And I think a lot of it is sort of quite historically really outdated opinions. Yeah. Like, Old-fashioned, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like only men play rugby. It was a man's sport. If you're a woman and you're playing rugby, well, surely you must be a lesbian. Didn't That's- you leave your ex-husband for Molly anyway? Wasn't that the reason? Oh, no, apparently, currently, it's because um, I had tendencies with Sarah. Apparently, oh, really? You're cheating on me. Tendencies. <laughs> tendencies. You slag. This week, I've heard that, in fact, yeah. Amazing. Isn't it? Well, the next one will be that we're having a, a threesome. I'm just I, um, confused that if you're having tendencies, why wasn't it with me? Oh, I didn't know you then, love. <laughs> so Again, I'm not bottom of the list here. I was first pick. But jokes aside, because I'm quite passionate about this, I've been doing some reading, I do have some facts on it. 
But funny story for the pod, Josh knows this, so nobody will mind. Went to uni, got very drunk on a circles on a Wednesday in Liverpool. And one of my finds was to go and sit with the male football team. Obviously, I was young, free, single and ready to mingle at this point. So I accidentally ended up in bed with the uh, vice captain of the football team. I hate when that happens. Uh, it's such an accident. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was in my room doing some you know, scrumming down. <laughs> Mid-shag, he, uh, he was on top. And on the side of my bed was like a pin board at uni where you put all your pictures and stuff like that. And there was a picture of me playing rugby uh, and then the picture of the team from back home. So it was Northwich at the time. And he stopped <laughs> mid-shag oh and God. said, what's this? And I said, it's the rugby team. And he went, what? I thought you played netball. Boom. And I went, no. Do I look like a netball player? And uh, he said, yeah, mid-shag, but we'd stopped. there was no thrusting at this point. <laughs> and um, sorry, mum, because I know mum listens to the pod. Soz, he said, girls can't play rugby. So you can imagine Ooh. my reaction. So your vagina so just bit his dick off and we're like, get out. <laughs> oh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't inside at this point. So I pushed him off. Uh, I said, get out. And I opened my dorm window and threw his clothes out of the window. <gasps> and yes, made Holly. him walk bollock naked down my hall stairs and collect his clothes on the way out. Yes, girl. But it was a very awkward two and a half years, every circles. But hey ho, I don't think he told anybody that we'd uh, bumped uglies in the night and I definitely never spoke to him again. So <laughs> Yeah, that's some serious wow. as dirty talk goes, that's pretty poor, isn't it? Did you finish? <laughs> Jodie, fuck off. Edit that out. Absolutely not. It was the biggest turn-off ever. And, yeah, and to be honest, I never went back to Ginger for a while. Oh, uh, was he, he was ginger? ginger? Of course he was. I love gingers. Uh, put you off for a few years. Yeah, but what a knob, though. Gingers are on the rise, you know. Anyone who follows cricket today, two gingers saved the day. No, cricket. Well, even yeah. in this sun. <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> not sorry um, I suck. but yeah I thought it was key to mention about this and I think maybe we should do a pod on it because there's loads of journals and everything on it definitely going to do one that'd be a good one to start next season's pod actually wouldn't it because that'd be a good one to kind of get off the mark with what, sexism and sexuality yeah definitely it's a topic that everyone's interested in how are you yeah. coping with no rugby then guys are you, are you glad for the break are you missing it yet yeah, I'm missing it, actually. I can't wait for tomorrow. Well, the sort of pre-season, keeping fit, touch rugby stuff. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Pre-season starts yeah. tomorrow, does it? Well, no, it's not. Oh, no, it's touch. Like, touch pre-pre-pre-season. Matt, are you going to be on time this week for your coaching? I'm going to try. I have no idea how fucking busy I am. Got- yes, yeah, sipping fucking wine. <laughs> I've got a new little recruit to bring down as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. God! Is it your new conquest? No, it's my my work partner's missus. So, oh, well on. done, Jody. Always grafting. <laughs> one way or another, another one for the turning. <laughs> Although she's just recently come out to her boyfriend that she's bi, and he didn't take it very well. <laughs> I was like, and her boyfriend's why? now letting her take you to rugby. No, I was like, she's only just come out as bi after meeting me. Coincidence? Oh dear God. Mm. 
think not. Listeners, tune in next season for an update on on Jodie. Jodie's relationship. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, if anyone wants to put themselves forward to date Jodie, we can use this as a, a recruitment opportunity. I'm being good. I'm going to behave. And I'm going to show that I am worth waiting for. Preach it, sister. Preach it. It's just in case she's listening. Yes, queen. <laughs> what? Oh, oh, God. God. Matt, get it out. You're Fuck never off. allowed to say that again. Suck it. Yes, queen. Uh, makes me vomit inside. <laughs> As you're speaking of which, I had a really funny conversation with the girls from uh, Exeter Saracens a couple of weeks back. They listen to the podcast about the time the, the team fell apart. They're like, please tell me what actually happened. Please, I just can't stop thinking about it. What actually happened? So I did tell them, actually. So if you want to know what happened on that night. That's the way we can raise funds. Put a tenner in the pot for the events on the 27th yeah. of August. And get and the we'll blow by you. blow. Yeah. Blow. Quite literally. <laughs> How about you, Molly? You, uh, you miss your rugby yet? I think in different ways, like obviously I had that bloody pain in the ass car crash. So my neck and my shoulders. was a pain in the neck car crash. Yeah, my neck and my shoulders are not the best at the moment. So I'm kind of enjoying the break from it. And I think it's important to take a break from rugby and just touch is great because it's a bit of a dick about them. No offence. Nobody really on our team likes touch. But it is good to just take a bit of stock and have a free week. So shagging's not you know restricted to a tuesday and take a break from it because especially when you're on the committee or your captain or vice or even team manager and ju- even playing it's a lot you know you've got training once twice a week you've got to keep your fitness up there's a lot of um, social stuff going on you've got team meetings things you need to go to at a weekend and it is quite nice to just have a bit of time away from it and go and do some different stuff so obviously I forgot, I've got to tell you about Aquafit and with Sherry. And, oh, um, God. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, she fucking stood me up, didn't she, last night? Did she? Yeah, she so we're going next up week. yesterday then. She stood me up for podcasting as well. What was her excuse? She thought it was cancelled. Oh, God. She's definitely up to something. Mm. He's allowed me to go up to the mountain. Oh, and I've looked over and I've seen... The promised land. I, the rock, I, the river, I, the tree, I am yours. Your passages have been paid. Inch by inch, play by play, till we're finished. The Greeks had Socrates, Romans had Cicero, the French Descartes, and this is the Shakespeare of grassroots women's rugby. This is where legends are made. Jez says. I don't even know how Hello to everybody who does the pod and all the listeners. Sorry I can't be with you all this week, but unfortunately I'm on holiday in Turkey, so I'm currently doing a recording from a nice shady little corner at the pool bar. Snuck away from my family for an hour, been for a walk along the front. Currently have two cocktails in front of me. Bar staff seem to have taken a bit of a shine to me, but I am a regular. Actually, I just went to get a drink. Five minutes ago, I'm currently drinking, well, I have been all week, something called Caribbean Libra. It's white rum, Coke and fresh lemon juice. And obviously before I came out, I did my research like any hardcore drinker would. And I know that here you can bring your own beakers to drink from. 
So I'm not fucking about with those plastic cups. That's not what I'm all about. Brought my own pint tumbler. So I've currently been drinking pints of cocktails for the last 10 days. Just went to the bar a minute ago with my own metal straw, my own pint plastic beaker that I might add, they actually put at least half a pint of spirit in it. And the barman said to me, have you been on holiday here for three weeks? I seem to have seen this beaker a lot. But I assured him, I've only been here for 10 days. It's just, I spend quite a lot of time at the bar. I've also got in front of me at the moment, I don't even know what it is. It's red. It's definitely got watermelon in it. It's definitely got a lot of alcohol in it. And when I asked for the Caribbean Libra, he made me this red cocktail. Won't even tell me what's in it. He just said special. I don't know whether he means I am or the drink is. But either way, I'll take it. So I'll drink these cocktails and then it's 2.31. So water polo is at three. So I've got 29 minutes to get the two cocktails down me, get over to the other pool with the water sports and get on the water polo, which I take part in every afternoon. Aquafit in the morning at 11.30. 30 lengths in the indoor pool, quick swim in the mornings. You know, I have to earn the cocktails. There is a lot of them. And then water polo at three o'clock normally doesn't end very well because you all know how competitive i am take no prisoners if you get in my way you're going down it's been quite uneventful you know a few russians have been taken out here there and everywhere i have had one yellow card just the one i might add two minutes sat on the side of the pool time out got a bit feisty but you got to do what you got to do if you need the ball someone gets in your way there's nothing wrong with standing on the windpipe at the bottom of the pool well, I don't think so. Lifeguard thought otherwise. So the best approach now is make that look like an accident. So, yeah, I'll be doing that at three o'clock. Normally it's England against the world. We nail it most days. Got a certificate at the uh, kids' club the other night. Diploma in water polo. Things are going good. There has just been the one almost naked incident in water polo a couple of days ago went up for the ball massive jump like you would do in netball you know what i'm like i don't do things by half so if i'm going i'm going went up for the ball got the ball took the russian out came down swimming costume had come off to the waist so i was currently naked from the waist up my children are traumatized but at the end of the day i got the ball took the russian out and we won the game so it was worth it dear auntie shares i hope you're well and haven't got too close to jody recently i hear that can be a dangerous pastime Thanks also for the tips on self-grooming from the latest episode. The IMAC has done a wonderful job, though this hot weather has played havoc with my undercrackers. No hair plus excess perspiration makes for some very unusual sensations, and I keep sliding off my leather car seats. Anyway, I understand you're on holiday at the moment, and I'm off myself in a week or two. My other half, Mick, has been saving the tokens from the newspaper, so we got an all-inclusive book to Parmanova. As a rugby player, it's fair to say that I'm not quite insta-ready at the moment, despite hitting the Joe Wicks back collection on YouTube last weekend. I bought a thong bikini but had to take it back. I'm not sure if it was on back to front or what, but let's just say it was like trying to cover a skin on chicken breast with a very tight hairband. Essentially, I'm a little bit anxious about strutting my stuff on the beach. As a woman who's supremely confident in her own skin, how did you go about feeling ghetto-fabulous in Turkey? And what can I do to make me feel better about it all? Yours faithfully, Pamela from Haverhill and District Ladies. Hello Pamela, thanks for getting in touch. Well, when I came on holiday this year, I promised myself and my family I wasn't going to become that person. You know, the person who sets the alarm every morning, 
on holiday to come down and get the towels out. I was absolutely adamant I was not going to be that person. From day two, I've become that person. For the last 10 days, I've been setting my alarm for 5.30 a.m. every morning. I shit you not. There is 4,000 guests at this hotel. There's loads of pools, there's loads of beaches, loads of everything. But if you want a certain spot, and we like to be near the water polo and things like that, if you don't get up before 6 a.m., you are not getting a lounger. It is insane. It is worse than the Christmas sales at Aldi with the 70% stickers on. It's serious, and I have become that person. So my advice to you would be to do what I do. Get up at 5.30 in the morning. Because then, when the bar opens at six, you can get your first cocktail in. I do go to bed for an hour. After that, 6.37. Couple of cocktails, couple of woo-woos, couple of Caribbean Libras, whatever takes my fancy. Sometimes an espresso with a Baileys in. Go back to bed for an hour. You'll get up, come down, bit of breakfast about 8.30, then hit the lounges for the day. By then, obviously, you're already halfway there because you've been on the cocktails. About 10 o'clock, get the next round of cocktails in. And then basically just gradually drink my way through the day, work my way through the cocktail menu. By dinner time, you couldn't give a fuck what you look like. Doesn't really matter. You don't care. Because you've been up since half five. You can't keep your eyes open. You can't see anyone. The cocktails make you think that they can't see you. So basically, become that person. Drink through it. No one cares. No one cares what you look like. Get yourself on your lounger at half five, get a few cocktails down you and enjoy your holiday. Yeah, really enjoying the break. And I would encourage anyone that is like heavily involved in rugby, coaching, playing, refing, etc., just to take a bit of time out and kind of reflect on the season. Mm. So there was a very, very rare sight spotted last Wednesday. Something that hadn't been seen for a really long time. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I couldn't uh, believe yeah, it. It was like those moments when the sun and the moon align and it casts an eerie light and everyone stops what they're doing and just stares in awe and wonder. Was oh it Maddie? What was it, Louise? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I got some rugby kit on and turned up to the club and joined in a bit. Woohoo! <laughs> yes, I'm not sure about woohoo. Um, Is it officially the restart of Reed? I don't know. Reed is back. I don't know. To be fair, I was really, really nervous, honestly. Well, there was a few obstacles to get over. Firstly, I didn't know whether I could get in the rugby shorts still. Um, turns out I could, uh, thankfully. Uh, yeah, I uh, had to find some rugby boots. Uh, they were very crispy. And turns out <laughs> in the three years, uh, oh, yeah, they still had holes in. And the studs were the really holes were slippy. suddenly sealed up over two years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just grown, grown back again, like, like you know, out. organic matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out he still had holes in. The main thing I was worried about was running on the pitch. So there's sort of holes and there's bumps and lumps. And obviously the grass is quite long at the moment, so you can't actually see any obstacles in front of you. <laughs> what? I was just thinking um, the conversations we've had about bushes not being trimmed oh, and God, saying it wasn't just the grass that wasn't trimmed on Wednesday. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, I was really worried about running on, on the grass and, you know, if my bad leg sort of went down a minor rabbit hole or something, how would I cope? It turns out it was all all right, really. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm still not very sure about actually returning to rugby properly. I'm supremely unfit and I just don't know 
whether I can commit the time to getting up to being rugby fit or committing the time to even play or train properly. So anyway, but for now, yes. Baby steps. The enigma. <laughs> Louise is back at rugby, that sort of sorts. I'm joined this evening on the podcast by Dundee. Dundee, is it Dundee ladies? Is that what you call yourselves? Dundee Valkyries. Dundee Valkyries. Great. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Dundee. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for having us. So Dundee Valkyries were the prize winners for our uh, competition recently and won a, a set of custom shorts from Halbro. Have you had them yet? Have they, have they arrived? No, no not yet. Not yet. Uh, I think Kirsty's been dealing with that, though. It normally takes a, a couple of weeks to get all the sizing done and all of that, but that's exciting, isn't it? So hopefully they'll come through before the start of the new season. Yeah, we're pretty pumped about it, especially because it's going to go more to our twos. It's been a harder season for them, so it's a bit, bit of a boost for them, which is really nice. It's funny, actually, talking to people, shorts almost more than tops seem to be a major issue, trying to find shorts that fit for some people in the women's game. Is that something that you've experienced in your club? Yeah, shorts are a nightmare. They're just like the men's fit ones are awful and then they're never in the right sizes. We've had like the smallest players are always absolutely drowning and then we've had days where we've had to run about crazy trying to find shorts that so that everyone's got a pair that can actually stay on them. So Crikey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not ideal, is it? And if they are uncomfortable in some way, it not only makes it hard to play in, but it also makes you feel pretty self conscious, I think, in some situations, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I've been in the situation where I've had a, I've just had to have one of the bigger pairs of shorts just because I've been playing in the front five, and um, yeah, they're pretty much hanging off me. So I think a few of us have actually just gone and bought our own shorts from the supplier that supplies our club just to make sure we've got a set that fits us. I remember um, someone running on wearing shorts, and I went over to them and I was like, "Do you want my pair from my bag?" Because they were painted on like they were gonna oh, burst out of them they could they just oh. didn't fit and it was the only pair there for them poor girl and i was like here have my shorts we're the same size because there's just not fitting ones <laughs> it's not ideal for new players is it i think when you've been around the block a few times and you know you just get on with it a little bit don't you but when you're new to the game the last thing you need is not just uncomfortable kit but kit that makes you feel really not good you know yeah. Exactly. You get used to it, but I mean, you shouldn't. <laughs> you shouldn't have to. Right, exactly. Well, hopefully the new kit will fit you and will be a good uh, thing to bring into next season. Yeah, yeah we're excited. Thank you so much for it. No problem at all. So um, we've got Emma, Stokes and Kirsty on this evening. So I guess tell us a little bit about Dundee. Well, we're about three years old now, is it? Um, just three and a bit. We started, it was during Six Nations time. It was 2019 we started. 20, yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. And yeah, one of the, the directors just like approached a couple of the current players really and was like, I want a women's team in Dundee because we didn't have one. And we've kind of gone from there. He coached us for a bit and then brought Gaz, our head coach, in, who's amazing. We love Gaz so much. Um, and we've just kind of grown from there, really, from six to eight girls on a Sunday to we usually get about 30 to 40 players training every Monday, wow. Thursday now. So it's that's yeah. not long, is it? Twenty nineteen. That's not that long ago. And of course, it would have been around the time COVID was still in full swing from memory, or certainly about to start, wasn't it? Yeah, we sort of started training, and then we just kind of got started into some of the national development leagues that they have up in Scotland. Um, yeah. We just played, participated at a few of those, and then um, lockdown hit us. Um, and we were still maybe only getting I remember when we got more than 10 at a training session we were practically celebrating 
And then I don't know what happened during lockdown. Suddenly everyone started wanting to play rugby. We kind of restarted training and numbers instantly doubled. So Yeah, I think wow. Steph put like a tenor on Facebook advertising and we like pushed social media a bit and just the players are coming week after week. It was just wow. nuts the growth. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you see these things coming around Facebook all the time, you know, boost your post, put a tenner down. It seems a little bit scary and a little bit possibly scammy sometimes, doesn't it? And I know I've been tempted in the past to do it, but but tell us a bit about how that worked then. What, what did you do and what impact did it have? Well, Steph, she's our captain, does most of the social media, and she just, I think she just decided, it's a tenner, I'm going to pay it. Worst case scenario, we get nothing and I've spent a tenner. And it just seemed to work. We just kept getting people messaging us on sort of most, I think it's mostly Facebook. Kirsty, you'll tell me better than this because yeah, you do more mainly, social media than me. Yeah, mainly Facebook, a little bit on Instagram, but Facebook's definitely our biggest driving force. Got a group you, you ask to join and people just kept asking to join and coming along. And, you know, we worked hard at player retention to just like make sure people enjoy it. Like the whole ethos is people are paying to play. We're here to have fun and enjoy rugby and try and keep high pressure at times but just keep it chilled and fun for the newbies and just seems to have kept a good retention of players but I don't get it how how so many came it just keeps happening and appearing out of nowhere. I think for a lot of newer girls like Covid was actually a bit of a godsend on the rugby point because being outdoors was allowed so for a lot of people it was a way to socialise that was safe and legal at the time and then they realised that they, they actually loved it and they caught the bug and we've kept them all so yeah one of our our newer girls she she was a netball player so obviously indoor sport so she just wasn't getting back to her netball at all um and just coming to rugby she came from a rugby family and her dad played for the club and she has stuck around um even though her netballs restarted I don't know how she has time to do both but yeah it just gave everyone a chance to kind of meet up and run around and have a bit of fun that's brilliant the thing with Dundee is I'm from the Isle of Wight, so Dundee might as well be the North Pole from, from where I'm from. <laughs> it seems like a long way away in a pretty remote place. So is the catchment area around Dundee pretty good for rugby? You know, is, is a lot of rugby played in clubs? Is there, you know, university close? Is in other words, is there a natural catchment natural catchment area or has it been, like you say, quite random? Yeah, so Dundee has two universities, so we've got quite a few players through the unis, but we've also got like players who have pals that play in St Andrews, so we've reached out um, across the bridge as well, which is quite good. But there's a lot of clubs in the area, even women's clubs, like not too far from us, but I think it was a bit of a niche bringing a women's team to Dundee because I think the closest to us was Strathy, which is about half an hour away, depending on where you're coming from. So yeah, it was a bit of a niche market, really. So. I think that's what's helped with our numbers a lot. There's probably two clubs about half an hour, 40 minutes away, but they've got their players. We've not really taken them as much. I mean, a few of us played for the other teams previously. <laughs> previously. But most of our players are just brand new and they either live in Dundee or the places that are closer to Dundee than the other clubs. So it's right. they've not affected us so much. Going from nothing to quite big numbers, that must present some very different challenges, does it? Yeah, I think from the coaching side, we were we did it probably just after lockdown. We still only had one coach, and suddenly he's hit by multiple players, all totally different levels. Um, so we had to, as well as the player base expanding, we had to expand the coaching side as well. Um, otherwise, I think it would have just been absolute chaos for him. I think that was one of the biggest challenges we had. But luckily, we had contacts in the club 
who were quite keen to they're sort of retiring from the playing and come, interested to come onto the coaching side. So we managed to get some good coaches to join the team, which I think has helped with the growth as well. Yeah. I mean, I've I retired and moved into coaching and like it is, it is a challenge with the differences of player ability, skill set, knowledge. You know, we've got people that have never thrown a rugby ball that you're teaching. You throw their ball backwards and you run forwards, you know, this that's that how basic. And we've had people that have, you know, had international caps and played really high level of rugby and have been playing for, you know, years and years and years. So it's such, such a variety, which is pretty challenging in, uh, in coaching and making sure everyone's sort of getting something out of it. But there's a lot of player-led coaching. It's really supportive, which is a really big thing. And we just kind of split where we need to, but try and stick together and... You've seen big improvements, which is really nice. Having a coach uh, come in, starting it, and then growing so fast, how did your coach adapt to coaching women? Had, and had he coached bef- uh, female teams before, or was it brand new to him as well? So as far as I'm aware, Gary's coaching experience before he came to us was mainly with like under-18s. So I think like he treats us the same way he treats the kids without trying to sound really rude. <laughs> I think a, a bit more swearing of, though. Yeah, a bit more swearing. But um I think like a lot of like coaches struggle coaching women because they feel like they need to pander around them. But that's not the case. Yeah, I think you need to adapt your style a little bit in terms of the way you communicate, but I think people who do dumb down uh, it not only patronizes but also stymies progress a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Gaz um he actually just before kind of starting coaching us he was coaching the our men's twos and I I was physio for them so I kind of knew guys a little bit from the sidelines and I don't see too much difference between his style with them and his style with us so and I think he's kind of nailed it he's changed things the exact right amount um but without like we say pandering to us and yeah he's he just he's got it nailed he really does a lot of players have commented like he's much more technical than nearly any other rugby coach like I've had or I think a lot of senior players have had where he, he coaches the game technically, he doesn't patronise us and just makes people get what he's saying one way or another and doesn't dumb it down. And it's you can see the difference it's made compared to like other coaches I've had in the past, I would say. I like the way you're bigging him up just before pre-season's about to start. <laughs> So I'm getting all the compliments in now. So, you know, it might soften the blow a little bit when it comes to laps and reps and burpees and all of that come July. (laughs) So one of the reasons you won the competition was you talked really eloquently and passionately about the creation of a second team, the amount of investment that's gone into that and all the different passion and support from the various club members and so on. You know, it was really you know, well-written and really interesting. Talk us through that. Growing a second team is a big deal, particularly so early into your journey. Well, it kind of just was a natural progression for us, you know, with so many players turning up to training consistently, it was, we needed game time for everyone and you can't, you just can't do that. I mean, we've had, I think it was 66 players pull on shirts for us and play in a competitive fixture this season. So with only, in the, we were in the regional league, so there's not as many games and, there just wasn't the game time. So it just sort of, we're going to the NDLs where most people turn up with maximum 10 players and we were going with 22, giving each other players and playing us versus an amalgamation of teams. And we just needed more game time and to get the players to get that next step because it's a bit shit to be training and not playing. And we just pushed for that and things grew and 
managed to get into the cup this season for our twos, which was really, really big step. No, the plate, the cup. I always get them the wrong way around. <laughs> the bowl. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> the halfway between a cup and a plate. <laughs> so yeah, we got we got into the plate. Oh, whichever one it is, with the bottom one for the two. That's the bowl. <laughs> bowl. Oh, bowl. I always get them the wrong way around. <laughs> yeah, let's edit that bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talked, touched on there about the importance of game time. And most grassroots women's rugby teams, particularly when they first start out in the development leagues and so on, they really struggle to find fixtures or they get fixtures and there's a lot of cancellations. There's a lot of fixtures that are moved, different conditions that are put in, you know, reduced size teams and uncompetitive scrums and so on. So it can feel very frustrating and very much like it's not going anywhere sometimes. So you have to really stick with it and, and keep pushing and so on. How has your experience been of that up in Dundee? Yeah, that was a huge challenge. I thought that's why it was so good to get into the competitive, like the actual competition, rather than just trying to arrange friendlies because time and time again, the friendlies were cancelled. You're running about trying to scrape different teams, different players from different teams that you know together and just play some sort of barbarians team if the weather cancelled it the club's not going to pay for um 3g to play on because it's not a competitive fixture it's just friendly so it's just cancellation after cancellation after cancellation so it was tough trying to do it so much organization to go into so little game time is horrible and how have you managed to keep the team focused and together during those periods i honestly just think it's because we've got a complete camaraderie like everyone within the team has a good group of pals around them and it's just keeping that positive mental attitude going that's kept girls coming along and the promise that we were trying to push for our twos to get into a more established league this season coming which we hopefully will will get so yeah it was just I think it was just keeping keeping the positivity going and keeping the buzz going at training and I think a lot of our sort of twos players maybe weren't getting so much of the game time. I yeah. think you could see how hard we were pushing and trying to get them game time. I think they appreciated that they knew that we hadn't forgotten about them. And I think because we, like you say, we pushed so hard for it, they stuck with us and they kind of had faith in us. And I think that they knew it was coming. And I think having that thing to look forward to and know it's coming and having faith in sort of your, your kind of leadership team, um, I think that's what helped them stay individually then you know how did you get into rugby and and what is it given to you as people I started in in high school I'd uh, my school had a lot of under 16s and under 18s rugby they did really well and I'd been kind of it was quite a small school I'd been planning on joining for ages but did loads of other sports and didn't have time so I got a phone call one morning because they had 11 players and they needed 12 to fulfill the fixture telling me bring your gum shields because I played hockey and they knew that we've got boots your size you're playing a game of rugby today Wow. So yeah, I went and played a played a full game of rugby and never looked back. Quit hockey at that stage and just started playing rugby instead. That's the one way of getting into it, I guess, isn't it? That's very much in at the deep end, isn't it? Brilliant. Yeah. Philip Shore's got a lot to say about women's rugby and uh he's brought a lot of uh players along. There's ah. people from my school all over the country, you know, playing because of him. Is he a well-known coach in the area, is he? Uh, no, he was, he was just the PE teacher at my school. He's right. not even that well-known. He's just, but you'd see captains and coaches and players in pretty much every team that are from this tiny little town that just had a school's team when we're like before everyone else, really, which is it's quite good. Emma, how about you? What got you into the sport? I actually started, it was my last couple of years at university. 
my school had no rugby so I didn't really have the the sort of same exposure to it and then I just remember I was wandering around a freshers fair um this was oh god this was third year at uni and I just I spotted the rugby table now interestingly I was at a, my university didn't actually have a women's rugby team however the other university um in the city did have one and so they recruited from us and I just thought do you know what I've always been that little bit bigger I'm relatively strong but I'm not that fast or agile so um finding a team sport that suited me I thought was quite difficult so I thought do you know what I'll sign up what could go wrong and then played for my last two years at uni I didn't get so much games because um with my degree I was on placement so much but then when I graduated and I moved I'm originally from Aberdeen and that's where I went to uni and then I moved to Dundee and I just thought do you know what I'll just join the rugby team and that will at least allow me to meet new people and yeah I've kept going ever since it's nearly 10 years since I I first picked up a rugby ball so it's quite scary how it's been that long but uh, yeah I just absolutely love it and I just can't imagine life without it now I think once it's in your blood that's it isn't it yeah absolutely and if you don't get it some people don't get it in their blood do they and that's fine you know that they you know you can't force it but for those of us that for whatever reason they have that moment that awakens something in you that's it for life I think isn't it yeah absolutely how about you Kirsty um so I come from a rugby family so I had a brother who played a dad who coached and I think they tried to get me into it when I was younger and I went to a single training session and I just remember getting tackled by a boy that was about three years older than me and that put me off for about 17 years and then wow. it was about <laughs> must have been quite a tackle yeah yeah it was it was not fun I did not enjoy it I was always the kid that hated being dirty hated being muddy and now I play rugby so it's a, it's a bit of a funny one but basically I just decided that you know I wanted to spread my social circle a bit and try and get fit and I saw the Valkyries well, we weren't the Valkyries at the time we were just just starting up uh, advertising on Facebook I think it was that I saw it and um just chucked a message and it was Steph that got it and turned up to my first training session became really really close with her and Stokes and they never let me leave so now I'm on the leadership team and <laughs> everything so yeah fantastic what's the aim of the the club for next season so we don't really know quite what's happening league-wise for either team next year and um, the SRU are still to announce where everyone is because they're doing some restructuring so we kind of want to wait and find out exactly what that is but if um really we want to win the league again for the ones we won this year but we didn't get promoted so really win that again hopefully get promoted and just want our twos to get a really good season of competitive rugby get the experience up win some games and improve and get to a stage where we're always that team to be sort of scared to go up against you know and how was the league is it fairly competitive in your area or was it a bit up and down I mean a lot of leagues I think in women's rugby they have a couple of really competitive teams and then some relatively new ones what what is the standard like where you are it's very variable I'd say in our league um just because it was an entry league so you've got teams like you say not very well established they've only played in the development leagues before um, and then you've got teams that have been in that league for a number of years and a bit more established so there's been tighter games there's been some games where it's been a convincing win but I think that's just due to the nature of it being an entry league I'm hoping what the the SRU are going to do is maybe have a look at this and try and split up these leagues a little bit more so you're getting more actual competitive games rather than the games where there's a convincing win on either side so it doesn't really benefit anyone 
but hopefully that's the direction that it'll go in the area. It always takes time, doesn't it? You're always going to have those games that are less competitive than others. But I think any anybody that plays rugby generally enjoys the closer games, even when you lose them, than the games where you thump teams or get thumped, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it definitely sounds as if it's moving in the right direction. One thing we have challenges with in South Cheshire, where my team are based, is in the winter months, it's very, very difficult to keep things moving forward because training's unpleasant with the light and the dark and the cold and the wet and so on. Um, and then on matches, there's waterlogged pitches and, you know, it's not very appealing, is it? Let's be honest. I imagine in Dundee, and I might be stereotyping Scotland a little bit here, but I imagine it's even worse. I know you guys are tough, but how do you keep the squad engaged and enthusiastic when it really is blowing a hoolie? Our numbers stayed quite good, but I don't really know how. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I was always shocked. You know, I'd be turning up. I'm because I'm coaching, so I would like. I, can't, I feel like I can't just be like, "Oh, it's cold. I'll make an excuse," you know. But every single time I turned up, I was surprised at how many were there. I don't know why. But I was always impressed because it's miserable and muddy. But why were you guys still turning up? I, I totally agree. The, the numbers never really dropped in the winter. I do think the coaches did well. They sort of tried to keep us moving. So it was very like there was no longer breaks or no sort of mm. long discussions, which I think kind of helped. Um, and just keeping the intensity up. You were cosy. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually surprised. Even when it's chucking it down rain we're still there um, yeah. we're maybe just used to it <laughs> personally i prefer training in the rain i just prefer training in the rain when the ground's that bit softer and it doesn't hurt as much when you fall on it like i don't like training in the summer winter training yeah no i think i think most better. people agree with that definitely i think that's really good advice though isn't it for for coaches listening and for you know teams that maybe had those dips in the winter keeping sessions short and sharp and energetic is really important i think one session where there's a lot of standing around or it goes on too long can be enough to put people off for two three sessions in the following weeks i know i've certainly done that as a coach before where i've overdone it or you know had not structured my session particularly well and it does have an impact doesn't it yeah definitely and i think our coaching team are really good at they discuss the plan beforehand so they're all on the same page so there's never like an animosity or like times where you're standing about waiting for the coach to decide what we're going to do next they're all always on the same page in that sense so in terms of anybody that might be listening in in the dundee area thinks actually i fancy giving this a go or in fact players generally you know it doesn't matter if they're in your area or not what advice would you give to people that are thinking you know what i fancy this but i'm a bit nervous so as a relatively new player i think the biggest worry when anyone goes to start playing rugby is the contact and i think one thing is to just remember like you you're not just going to be thrown in at the deep end unless you're Stokes obviously but you're not just going to be thrown into a full contact game where you've got girls double your size running at you they will take it down to basics for you and it's just it's so good one for broadening your social circle in itself your fitness and I think you just change as a person like your confidence completely grows and you surprise yourself every time you train and every time you play totally I, I love that the idea that you change as a person because you see it as a coach you see it in people they go from that I'm not a bit unsure of myself I don't know what I'm doing I'm in the way and then one day they change and it might be due to something that happens on the pitch it might be they just get it it might be that they meet friends and it changes and you have to go through a few sessions at least to get to that point don't you so the advice I'd add to that really is, you know, go ahead and try it, but also give it time 
before it clicks. It doesn't yeah, happen overnight, does it? No. Yeah, it's a very confusing sport if you've no idea what it is. It's the most ridiculous but the best sport you can ever be involved in, is what I always tell the newbies. And don't worry if you feel like a lost headless chicken for the first few weeks. You're going to. Yeah. But things will click yeah. and you'll start to love it. So just don't be hard on yourself. That's what I always tell the newbies. I think if you're at a session and you see a player and you think, oh, they totally know what they're doing. They look at, they're amazing at this. Just remember they were once that headless chicken as well who probably yeah. didn't have a clue what the rules were, probably passed the ball forward during a game. You know, just all these silly little things. Um, we were all there. We were all new once. Um, and we only got to where we were with time and practice and a bit of dedication and commitment. So, yeah, it, it can happen for anyone. Brilliant advice. Listen, ladies, it's been fantastic to talk to you this evening. I've really enjoyed it. Lovely to have another team north of the border. And congratulations again on the competition win. We can't wait to see some pictures when the, they arrive and um, hopefully they all fit nicely and you can show them off and uh, send us some photos. But in the meantime, look, thanks so much for coming on and you know, all the best for the coming pre-season and uh, what comes after into the next uh, full season. Yeah, thank thanks. you so much. Awesome. Thanks, thanks for having us. And you too. Well, it's that time of the season where some of our teammates decide enough is enough, the injuries are racking up, the body doesn't do what the brain tells it, pre-season is less about getting fit and more a desperate fight for survival, and the liver would make an interesting science experiment. So here's a massive grassroots shout-out to the following players who have taken the difficult decision to hang up their boots and retire from the game with what dignity is left intact. Kim Nan Fraser from Sunderland Flames Louise Whittaker, Dartfordian Ladies Emma Mingo, Columpton Ladies Nicola Joyce, Crew and Nantwich Ladies Vicky Hayes, Dartfordians Ladies Charlie Keel, Columpton Ladies and Hayley Lloyd from Cheltenham North Thanks for your service and may we see you heckling from the sidelines next season Anyway, so we talk about alcohol tonight, which is ironic given I'm sat here with a glass of wine in sport. Because the reason I thought this was because I was listening back to some podcast episodes and obviously we had the end of season due, which was around the time we last recorded. We we're also planning an event and a lot of the, the thinking around rugby-based events is that they're very booze heavy, aren't they? I've always quite liked that because, you know, I quite like a drink like, like a lot of people. But I do wonder sometimes whether it's too much sometimes, whether we do put too much emphasis on the alcohol and whether people that have a, an uncomfortable or a difficult relationship with alcohol, whether that can present some problems for them. Well, I don't have a problem with alcohol. So I think for me, I think if you don't drink for medical reasons or you don't drink because it's what you just don't like alcohol or even maybe it's your religion for example, or even some people that are allergic to alcohol. I do think it can be quite a daunting environment. I don't think there's a, a massive sort of thing to force people to drink at all. I know that, you know, if I'm not drinking one night or I'm driving or something, people go, oh, Lou, do you want a pint? I'm like, no, you're all right. I'm driving. They go, oh, yeah, no worries then. Move on. That's pretty much how we roll. You know, you can expect to go to some big events or stuff and there's booze around but you're never forced to drink and even when it comes to a pint after 
um, a match or you get dick of the day or something like that or there's a fine I think we go out of our way if someone's not drinking they're like no problem nominate someone or we'll get you something non-alcoholic and make it horrific in the same sort of way that it would be alcohol yeah I don't think it's been like that in the past other than down this point yeah yeah eat this horrific vegetable that's going to give you heartburn (laughs) for three weeks Uh, (laughs) mentally scar you yeah. Um, I don't think it's been like this in the past. I think in the past there's been some real things with you must drink, you're being forced to drink. If you don't drink, get out of the rugby club. And that's sort of gone with very old school rugby sort of mentality. But I honestly don't think it's like that anymore, from my experience. It would also be a bit different if none of us like drank, so we don't know that, that sort of side of what it feels like. But I feel like when you take a step back and look at it, every event we do have does revolve around drinking. Like if we were to have a Christmas do or the bus back from an away game or the end of season do, it's always a role revolves around drinking, either a drinking game or a punishment with fines. And I think it is heavily based on drinking. Obviously, we have the the options to not drink. I know that the uh, last game we had, we had Haruna who doesn't drink. And I think we gave it like some sort of dietary kombucha or something. Oh, God. <laughs> but- Just gave us shits for a month. <laughs> You're having a point here. Have dysentery. <laughs> I think it was like lime and ginger shot or some- something like that. It was nasty, but non-alcoholic. But because that's only as a replacement for alcohol, it wasn't initially there because it was a horrible drink. It's because she's not drinking and the standard is to be drinking. Don't you think that the events revolve around rugby and the the drinking is the secondary thing? So some events, but not all events that we have, especially like Christmas socials and end of season dues. It's got nothing to do with rugby. I know you have a rugby ward stuff, but it's got absolutely nothing to do with rugby. Mm. The challenge I have with the drinking culture with, around rugby is that people who have a drinking problem are pretty good at hiding it. And you know, a friend of mine, I won't name names, obviously has a problem with drinking. And there's no question that he used rugby as a way of masking his drinking. So he'd come to rugby on a Saturday afternoon as a way of being around other people who are also drinking to normalise his drinking, if that makes sense. And that definitely was, wasn't healthy. And he actually stopped coming to rugby when he stopped drinking. Flip side of that, he didn't want to be around people drinking. I think it has gotten better recently, but I think it was the standard is to drink. That's what all the everything's based around, all the social events is. The standard, the regular, the normal setup is you will be drinking. And I agree. I don't think it's something... You just took us to be fair, it's Diet Coke with a slip of vodka. Yeah, with vodka. No, um, (laughs) I think rugby has always been, and again, this is where it used to be, especially when I was growing up. It's always been known to be a kind of bev heavy sport, but I think we are moving away from it a little bit. Yeah, this is what I was saying. I think it's Mm -hmm. been traditionally rugby and drinking you know old school rugby but I don't think it's quite like that no it's definitely changing and I think credit to teams that kind of appreciate that some people don't drink some people don't smoke but some people do some people are gluten-free some people aren't things like that it's very hard to cater for 
everyone's needs but we do the best we can to be as inclusive as possible you know you might get people that have got um a disability hard of hearing and I mean we like you know Sarah won't mind me saying she's deaf as a bat like she's not diagnosed or anything but we try our best to be as inclusive as possible and I think as long as people try to kind of make social events not always around drinking and, and we try to be as inclusive as possible people don't always come to rugby to drink but equally you know we've all been there we've been going through a bad patch we've probably hit the alcohol a bit long you know long and hard and your rugby mates are the people that turn around to you and say it's all right it's okay that you got shit faced you needed a blowout but actually it that when that becomes a regular thing we need to be there for you and help you get through that rough patch and there's been many of people on our team that have done something really stupid when they've been drunk or they've kind of carried on drinking to the excess too much but they've still come back to rugby without the alcohol and not drank. So I think we can move towards being more inclusive as times change, but it's always going to be there as part of the culture. So I don't know anyone on the team who's openly about any sort of issues they have with alcohol, but do you think rugby encourages bad relationships with alcohol or even creates bad issues with alcohol? I'm definitely going to say yes. Um, 100%. Less so with the women's section because I think you guys are much more aware of uh, inclusivity. You know, so it starts with dietary requests after uh, a match. You know, the men's section, you know, sniff and scoff and laugh at somebody that has, you know, a vegan food choice or something, whereas you guys actually respect it and and accommodate it and it's not an issue. So I think you guys are better at it. And in fact, I remember, yeah, yeah, I'm a bit. A bit, but I remember a few years ago actually having a conversation around a table about actually we need to have some events in the calendar that aren't booze related. We're going to go you know, bowling, or we're going to watch a film together, or we're also not going to have it where we have to do everything on mass all of the time. If groups want to separate out and go for a walk in the hills, that's great. Others might want to go watch a game or, or, or something different. But definitely in the men's section, the culture is very much around boozing, and I think that those that have a drinking problem or have a difficult relationship with alcohol it can be massively destructive hugely destructive i've seen it i've seen it firsthand several yeah. times where people who can't handle their booze people who you know don't know when to stop or don't know how to stop when they start those that use rugby as an excuse to drink more than they would normally there's lots and lots of examples there where the culture of rugby and its relationship with booze has had detrimental effects on people thankfully those examples are relatively small and i think it is getting better. But the reason that I wanted to pick up on this subject was because there was a post by Sue Anstis recently going around where she's uh, quit drinking. And she was quite open about the fact that she's had a difficult relationship with alcohol. Uh, and she was finding it difficult to go to events and, and um, social functions and so on and be a non-drinker. You know, there was very rarely anything other than water or fruit juice to drink. The glasses she were given were often sort of beakers to the point where it was almost embarrassing having them. Uh, in other words, you you felt quite singled out and quite ostracised for it. So it's definitely something that's an issue, I think. Yeah, I was surprised actually about how few um, non-alcoholic drinks were available. But sadly, I guess I'm surprised because I always go for the alcoholic drink and I've never been in that situation. 
That's interesting, isn't it? It's people's yeah. vices, isn't it? I say that in the but you know, because everyone has them, whether it's you, I don't know, eat too much chocolate or you mm. have too many takeaways or in, in the, the government guidelines and all of that. People smoke, people drink, people hit exercise too hard and all of that. But because it's not seen as a um, not many of us but no you know what I mean like <laughs> I get it and I've definitely been in times where I've been drinking too much but actually people when I've been going through a bad patch that's got me through I think what you're saying Matt is people shouldn't be ostracized for choosing to not drink and yeah. I definitely think the culture is changing but we need to make sure that we continue to be as inclusive as possible and gone are the days where we're brawling in the streets as rugby players or getting arrested or yeah. to be fair from the women's team I would say you know some of us has potentially got into a scrap here and there but it's less so than I would say previously in the men's culture where alcohol's gone too far and there's been a massive scrap or people are getting locked up and things like that so I think from a health point of view, where people are drinking to the excess every week, every match, every training session, yeah. they're coming and they're having four or five pints after they've finished. Definitely that's an issue. Yeah. But then equally, people are allowed to sit down after a game and have three or four pints and get a bit merry. But people shouldn't be made to feel like they have to, to be included. I was going to say, were you saying that obviously... It's sort of no. If you notice someone who's coming to training and drinking excessively, and sort of after training, after games, drinking a lot, would you ever feel confident enough to say, "Is everything okay?" Would you ever question that? Because I don't think I would. Because I observe people drinking quite a bit at rugby, more than I would drink, and I don't know if that's normal for them. And I've never, I've questioned it, and I've not talked behind people back, but I've gone, oh, "I think they might have a problem." I've never confronted them about it and gone, is everything okay? Yeah, Lou, you know, I know you're listening and we're, we're behind you. We're with you. We're going to talk about it. We're here for um, you. No, no. <laughs> I think, I don't know, Jodie, like I, because I've been captain and vice captain, I've probably been a little bit more aware of people's situations and stuff. And, you know, it's hard because people are in different walks of life. So you've got the students that are going out drinking every weekend. That in a at university, it's frowned upon not to drink. Like that's the culture of university. Yeah. So if I've got a student going out every week, getting shit faced after every rugby game, opposed to a middle aged lady that's got three kids and is you know going home, drink driving, and then taking her kids out somewhere or or stuff like that. Which one would you question? Because technically they're both as bad as each other in terms of binge drinking and unsafe. But how do you, whose standards do we judge it by? Do we judge it by what we did, what you think is okay, what I think is okay? I think if you say to them, is everything all right? You, you know, you seem to be struggling a little bit. Is there anything we can do? I would feel comfortable in a private forum saying that, but everyone's tolerances or what they think is acceptable is different in different walks of life, I think. Something that I found quite interesting is that I measure my alcohol consumption by where I sit against the people I hang out with. The majority of my friends drink a fair bit, but not to the point where I would say it was dangerous or unhealthy beyond you know, a bit of weight gain or whatever. But when I talk to 
people who don't drink, you know, my wife, for example, she thinks that I have a big drinking problem, you know, because I drink fairly regularly. You know, I've got a glass of wine in front of me now. We'll go to the pub and I'll have a couple of pints um, after training once a week. If we go out properly, then obviously a few more than that. I would say, look, I, I, I'm fine. I mean, I, I, there's people I know that drink way more than I do. People that drink less, but I would say I'm below average compared to the people I hang out with. But to her, we, I drink a horrifying amount. So that's what's really interesting is we don't kind of have the same education around alcohol that we do around mental health, for example. So we're increasingly trained and conditioned, if you like, to look out for each other and to understand the signs. We talk about it. We did a, an episode on it a few months back and so on. And a lot of the dialogue around that is quite quite open and, and out there, isn't it? But I would genuinely, with the exception of one guy, I don't think I could spot somebody that had a really difficult relationship with alcohol beyond what I consider normal, you know. I think the issue with that as well is the word alcoholism. Because mm. everyone has that idea of what alcoholism, oh, I've not got a job, I'm sat here on welfare, drinking all day, I can't get through the day without a drink. But there's so many different types of alcoholics. There's people who can hold down a job and be fine throughout the week, but they can't have one drink and it'd be one drink and they have to go in a binge and then you disappear off for a weekend. But it's fine because mm. they don't drink throughout the week, so they've not got a problem. But then they put themselves in situations that is dangerous, but they still don't consider themselves alcoholics because yeah. we're conditioned to think that alcoholism is Looks that a sort particular of person way. on Benefit yeah. Street with a tin can standing outside the front door or something like that. So I think that's also hard to spot in themselves, let alone spot in other people. Yeah. It's, it's very different. It's very hard. You know, like, would I consider myself an alcoholic if I've gone on a three-day bender? No. If that three-day bender became every weekend, like you said, Judy, then I'd be like, mm, yeah, we've all been there where we've potentially had way too many, don't remember getting home, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that's part of growing up. I don't think that's specific to rugby. I think that's specific to life. But then it's hard, isn't it? Because you might overdo it one weekend and then never drink like that again for six months because you are worried that you've put yourself in that position. But I think with rugby, there'll be, you'll go out on a night with 30 people, three people will do that, but you'll look after them because they're your mates and every single person has put themselves in that situation once, twice, you know, over 10 times over. But then it's difficult because then you've got other people that are taking drugs and you're like, well, hang on a minute you've got a drug problem or you've got a drink problem or you've got money worries or you're gambling. And all I think is that you've got to, everyone's allowed to make mistakes. Everyone's allowed to do things. And, you know, I openly admit that, especially when I was going through a really bad breakup, there's loads of times where I've overdone it on the alcohol because that's the only way I could cope. But I believe now that I am far better at coping with my emotions and et cetera. But would I touch drugs? Never. And I never will. But someone else might go, well, actually, I've been smoking 30 a day for uh, 30, 30 a day, fucking hell, Madge, uh, 30 a week for the past three months. And that's been my coping mechanism. But from another person's perspective, they're thinking, fucking hell, you're going to die of cancer. And I really think you're overdoing it. And it's we can be there for them, but it's very hard to pass judgment when you're not in that person's shoes, isn't it? Yeah, totally. like you say, everyone does have their vice and everyone does fall back on what it is that makes them feel sort of better in bad situations. For me, yeah. obviously, that's 
my food for those people it can be drugs for gambling and drinking and I don't think you can criticize someone for having that crutch whatever crutch it is they need to use but it's just when it becomes too much when it becomes too long I think everyone has their own addiction they do you can't get away with it depending on what it is it's their addiction yeah. they fall back into in bad times yeah totally get it I think the general message you know for listeners is really top of the list is don't if somebody says they're not drinking respect yeah, agreed. it agreed it might be because they're driving or it might be because they don't fancy it or they might be because because of their religion or something or it might be because there's something much more deep-rooted than that and actually kind of making people feel pressured to down a pint after a match or whatever and feeling like they're out of place you've got to be really careful with it because if somebody's you know struggling with alcohol dependency or worse that one drink can lead to 20 more at home when, you, when nobody's looking you know what more could we do as a club and a team then to make sort of events more accepting of non-drinkers and sort of steer it towards no drinking events i think yeah sure i i agree i think there is more but then i suppose when you do events it's up to people if they drink isn't it like you know you could go into town for a walk and someone might suggest oh let's go to the pub or you could do i don't know the bowling again but people can go to the bar it's about giving options, isn't it, Jode? I think this is what you're saying. So making an event where it's not drinking games all day, it's, you know, a sports day. And then if people want to, with events that aren't involved with alcohol, and then if people want to get a drink after at the bar, then that's great. But it's not centred around alcohol. It's just optional rather than being the main event. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Any event that is away from bars or sitting down in an area where there's the option of getting booze is a good thing you know so a a hike in the day with the option of having a pint afterwards say people that don't want to drink you know can come along and not drink or or maybe go early or whatever that's fine you know it's just doing things that don't always you know revolve around the club the bar or let's have a barbecue and i'll bring some a bottle of prosecco and all this sort of stuff which just tends to be what we do a lot you know yeah, what I'm going to say is going to rugby, having been a non-player for a while, is actually my way of like relaxing and turning off from my normal, boring, fairly stressful life. And actually what I like to do to relax and to chill out and have a nice time is have a drink. Mm, same, <laughs> you know, yeah. So if I go to rugby, I like to have a pint, personally. I don't know, I'm not on my own here. No, you know? I'm exactly the same, yeah. I mean, I... That's why one of the reasons I go to rugby on a Saturday afternoon is to get away from my house, get away from my kids sometimes, being honest, and actually see some friends and have a pint. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know, you and I can have a couple of pints and it's fine. It's yeah, the people that. It's not like we're going to take a bottle of vodka home and finish it off at home. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. but it's not like we force anybody else to drink just because we are. No. So I think there's got to be a full acceptance of the people who do want to drink and a full acceptance of the ones who don't. And I think actually in our club, certainly in the ladies section anyway, we are like that. You know, if someone says, right, do you want a pint? I'm like, no, no, I'm driving. I'm like, oh, no worries. Do you want a Coke or something like that? Or JCO? You know, and there's no big deal made out of it. I just think you've just got to check yourself. If you're struggling, you know, try to tell someone so they can try and steer you away or help you out or make sure you've got a non-alcoholic drink all the time or something like that. Do you know what's funny? Reflecting on it, I realised that after training, I always have a drink. 
I don't need one. I don't feel like I want one. But I feel like because everyone else is having one, that it's the normal thing to do. I don't have an issue with drinking at all. It's just do it because to fit in. If we did burpees and press-ups after training, would you do that? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yeah. Just to fit in. (laughs) To fit in. (laughs) Um, Let's remember, though, I know obviously we've had a very serious chat here. Rugby is a safe environment to get drunk with because you leave no man behind. Yeah. And what goes on to yeah. this place? Yeah, so yeah. there's not many places I feel like mm-hmm. getting like bladdered, but in the rugby team, I don't mind. I feel comfortable getting absolutely wasted with you lot because I know that nothing bad's going to happen. I'd rather great. get drunk with you lot or any of the rugby gang than go down the boot and shoe and get the same state. Exactly, because you don't you don't trust anyone, and it's difficult. But you, like I say, you never leave a man behind. You're all together, and if one goes in, you're all in. Do you know what I mean? So I think mm. it's. We are a team and everyone will have that night where they think, oh my God, I can't remember or I've said something wrong or whatever. But it just becomes banter and it definitely gets brought up on the next uh, drinking session. It is funny how like every year the banter revolves around that one, a different person each year that disgraces themselves at the end of season do or at the end of season social the Christmas social or something and it's really funny how you kind of it's like you have to carry the can until the next one <laughs> when it's you you know <laughs> yeah. we've all been there we've all got in the state it's kind of funny um, but you looked after you know I've had to take people home before I've been taken home before uh, without those people well you don't you, you dread to think what would happen really don't you stupid ref stupid ref stupid ref stupid ref do you guys have a stupid ref story Stokes <laughs> are, you, are you the stupid ref stoke <laughs> no, i may have essentially red carded a ref in a friendly really? season oh i like this <laughs> yeah so it was just not safe for the team and i was getting really really stressed and annoyed i'm one of those stressy coaches that paces a lot and is a pain and try and keep calm and this ref was making me go insane and i was just like it's dangerous it's not good it was a development game between us and this other team their coach came over and said to me that they weren't happy either and we uh, called the time out and went and spoke to the ref and told him he wasn't allowed to ref anymore oh and my word the coach went and took over and took over for the rest of the game i think that's probably our best ref story that's amazing actually gave a ref a red card <laughs> yeah red card that's ref, fantastic. So. so all you refs out there listening right <laughs> it's, it can happen you've now been empowered by dundee valkyries <laughs> the same trick if we need to fantastic So, big event on the uh, 27th of August, so down in Exeter. So, we've got quite a few people signed up at the moment that have put themselves forward to play. I'm hoping that everyone is going to be able to do a bit of a a performance, but obviously we do need a core squad that are going to last the full 80 minutes or however long we play, otherwise it could be quite embarrassing. So, I thought I would give a shout out to the people that we have so far that have made the cut. So, we have Paige Brown. Emily Carby and Danny Simons, who are all from the same team, and they are. She seems that. Well, this. Hang on. This is what I mean. Yet to be confirmed. So, if you're listening, girls, what team are you from? That'd be that'd be a start. We've got Elizabeth. Oh, this is going to be so difficult for me. I'm apologise if I offend anyone. Elizabeth Chain, second row from Stourbridge. Whoop whoop. 
Yes, Stourbridge. Yes. That's so good. Oh, yes. We've got some representation from Stourbridge. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, we have got Gabrielle Collins from Bath Ladies, which is like amazing. So I'm really hoping that she's going to lead from the front and minimal running is going to be required. We've got Izzy Walters from Pershaw and Swansea Uni. We've got Jodie Hind. Da, da, da. Oh. What team she from? Ruin Nantwich. Whoop, whoop. Now, Jodie, your position is in question because you're just so versatile. Oh, okay. oh don't. I've just had one good game in, <laughs> as the winger and now that's <laughs> being put back there. Yeah. I, I'll just be on the bench. Just use me as a uh, utility player then. Super sub. Super, mm. super subs. Lauren Hatch is from Exeter Saracens, I believe. Uh, Sarah oh, Messaged Wait, what? Turncoat. Filthy turncoat. Yeah, I know. Um, Sarah messaged me and she was like, Molly. We don't want her. She's shit. You can have her. So she's <laughs> going to be playing against her own teammates? Yeah, apparently Sarah's sacrificed her. So either um, she they've had a massive fallout or... <laughs> She's terrible. Yeah, so I'm not really sure about that one. And then I'm still um I get please come, please come. And again, I'm probably gonna really offend this lady, so I do apologize. Akessa, uh, and then her surname is T U R A G A N I V A L U. Wow. So I'm gonna go with Akessa Turra for short. And please educate me on how to say your name. But she's really keen um, and she's been playing rugby since she was, since 2018, yet to be confirmed on a team. Oh, exciting. Where about is she from in the country, do you know? Fucking hell, Jodie. You don't ask much. No, I don't know yet. Sorry. <laughs> what's her phone number? <laughs> what's, her, what's her background? Does she have a good relationship with her family? Recent pick. Fucking <laughs> hell, it's not a dating site, guys. What's her BBM? <laughs> right moving on we've then also got Paige brown from devonport services wait haven't you already said Paige brown no got two pages i haven't said Paige brown right hang on double counting molly i've got you have one yeah, no How hang it be? on dickheads right listen you've left me to sort the team out i started introducing it and then you went Molly, we need to do an intro to what you're talking about. So I'm reliving what I've already been through. Listen back to the recording, dickheads. Anyway, Paige, sorry for the rude interruption. Paige Brown, Emily Carby, Nicole Dobson. They're all part of the Danny Simons crew. Again, I'm still waiting to find out what team they play for. Obviously, there's me. I'll be there. And Hannah Lewis has put herself forward from Crew and Antwich as well. So we're getting quite awesome. a squad. I have got... Don't we have a goose? You missed a couple. You've got Lucy Goose. And don't we have our star player? Are we revealing that yet? Or is that going to be revealed on the day? Cherry Davis was her. Cherry's not playing, is she? Well, she was. Is she coming? Yeah. She's put that she's... Uh, yeah, attending. i no, strap her to the roof of my car. Well, she's not actually I'm talking about the real... Surprise. I'm talking about the real star. Um, no, we're not announcing that yet, but... Um, okay, yeah. okay, so that's going to be uh, something to look forward to then. Ooh. Why can't we announce that? Right. Don't tell everyone that I'm playing. Okay, now. <laughs> right, going back to the team. So we have Lucy Goosey, who's very excited... Piss <laughs> off, you lot. Lucy Goosey, who's very excited to play because her parents have never seen her play in Devon. 
So that's quite an exciting uh, thing for her because she's from that area. And then we have our star player, which are we announcing? Is it TBC? I think we can announce it, can't we? I think we can announce it. It's confirmed. I've got it it's in writing. Me. Yeah, Louise, Uh, no, so we have actually got a cameo from Victoria Rush, which is mint. Star of No Woman, No Try. Actually going to play rugby. Let's hope there is a try, though. (laughs) Yeah, there better be. Imagine. There's a lot of talking about it. Zero, zero. No points to no points. Yes, that's going to be super exciting, that is. Not only do you get to play with the podcast crew, which is exciting in itself, you get to play with a world-famous influencer. So we, we now can't call it the Bin Juice International Invitational <laughs> 15, right? No. No. Bin Juice plus one non-Bin Juice. Yeah. There's also some very, very exciting news that I can't yet reveal. Oh. But, well, do we know this one? Or we just not do. reveal it? Okay. Yeah, you do. Oh, that one. But That one, yeah. But um, it's not 100% confirmed yet, but I'll reveal it in the next episode. But let's just say you guys could all look pretty mint. Is that too much? Is that too much information? No. Are we doing information about the event now? Or are we leaving it to the end? Are we going to give details? And well, for those of you that I don't know if your face is glued to your phones, so the event is going to be pretty cool. So we're, we've got a little tournament with uh, Exeter Saracens and Launceston Ladies Rugby Club. Launceston are going to be wearing their brand new grassroots podcast branded Halbro women's fit kit which looks amazing we can't wait to see it and that'll be a big reveal for them because they haven't actually worn it yet which is cool and the grassroots barbarians 15 is what molly's been announcing there this is the very very first ever genuine grassroots barbarians team made up of people from all over the country which is hugely exciting for us so alongside that, there's going to be a talk and live question and answer session with Victoria Rush and her um, No Women, No Try people. And we can't yet announce the special guest, but it's likely to be somebody pretty cool that's going to come along as well with to help Victoria with that. So we're just in discussions about that now. And then Exeter Saracens have done an amazing job so far of getting a band uh, sorted that's going to play live for us. Uh, there's going to be a bar, food, general mucking around and all that. Um, Sherry's going to uh, do a little turn as the uh, Mexican champion of pint downing or something. So all in all, if you're in the Exeter area on the 27th of August or want to travel down there for the day for, for 10 quid, which is what it's going to cost, you get to meet Victoria, you get to do uh, this live Q&A, you get to watch a load of rugby, have some drinks with the podcast crew and a load of other women's rugby players and generally just have a fantastic day. So we are so excited about it. A lot of planning is going into it and we just hope everyone can come. And if you want to play, get in touch with Molly. We haven't got much space left, so get moving. Get moving. It's going to be yeah, a good day. Have... I'm looking forward to it. I am. Can't wait. Can make it like a yearly thing as well. It'll be so fun. That's kind of the planning, really. Get the grassroots barbarians team going. We can take it anywhere. Have a road show. Boop, boop. That'd be awesome. So it's key to mention that that's obviously not the final sheet, and I will make it a little bit more jazzy and a little bit more organised next time. Help if you actually knew what people's names were. Right. Fucking hell, Matt. I've been busy, <laughs> like you say. Sipping wine. No. Yeah, exactly. I've now moved on to cider. Have you? <laughs> yeah, but not too much. Just one can tonight. Don't want anyone. It's Alarms, bells going. You're going to finish finish your podcast and then go and finish the can of cider in the garden in your dressing gown. In the front garden, that is. 
Uh, I'll be pulling you to a side after one training session. Ask if you're okay, Molly. I thought you were doing a private intervention live on the podcast at one point. Like, <laughs> there's certain people on our team that need to cut the drinking. All right, Joe, you could have just come to me separately. All right, Jade. Yeah. What position are we putting Sherry at? I'm thinking number 10. Ref. Look, it doesn't oh, yes. matter what position you put her at, she'll do her own thing. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I'll put her on the wing. Or oh, anywhere. Please. <laughs> we are short of a fly half, though, so if there's any fly halves out there that can pass better than Matt and wear gloves, that's a key oh, essential, me. please come down. Otherwise, it's currently looking that I might have to play fucking 10. And I don't want to oh, be the fan. Get Rosh in there. Who? Get Victoria in there. You know, the Rush. Oh my god. Are you on like cool oh, nickname Jesus. basis now? Oh, just me and Rush. We're just like oh, like that. The Rush. <laughs> Batty and the Rush. You're not gonna be like fucking bumming all these people, are you, Matt? Like all the celebs. You're gonna be in the tent schmoozing. Yeah. No, he's <laughs> he is. We'll all be busting the gut, fucking boiling in the bin juice team, and Matt will be parading around with his camera being all important, drinking stuff out of a hip flask. <laughs> with his gloves on. Mm. <laughs> with the head coach, head coach um, <laughs> jumper on. Oh, well, speaking of which, update on head coach. Oh, no. So we've asked Darren from Starbridge, the pasty man, man, to be the guest coach for the day. He's extremely Brilliant. flattered, as he should be. It's a big honour and a big responsibility, I may add, Darren. But he's looking into it, so he's going to come back to us whether he can make it or not. But he's hopefully going to come along and just meet us all. But, um, do what the do you mean whether he can make it or not? I, really I thought he'd so. make it so his fun. absolute life goal to be there. Bloody better. Go pick him up on route and stick him in the back of the van. Is he bringing <laughs> half-time pasties now? Some pasties. Oh, my God. <laughs> Darren, if you come in, it needs to happen. Mini pasties for half-time snacks. Mini? That'll be so grassroots. Bite size. You can't Those pasties are massive. You've had your pasties yet. Jesus, they're like a meal in themselves. I, want I f- didn't get any pasties. Oh, dear. Pastigate. <laughs> mm, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Oh, I almost went and saw pa- Darren the Pasty Man the other week, actually. I was saying to Matt, I had a job down in Starbridge, and I tried to make the effort. Right. We closed at 2 o'clock, and I was trying to yeah. rush to go get him, but didn't manage to meet. Who closes at two o'clock? It's like a restaurant closing at five o'clock, isn't it? So I was like, it was a while back. It was a few weeks back now. So I was like, yeah, I missed him. But I'm really excited now. This is the first time I'm going to see him. We are excited about meeting Darren the Pasty Man. I know. He's like Um, a celebrity all in himself. He is. Can I play you this clip? So someone left this on our our Kennedy's WhatsApp. Hello, it's Sonny John. Just... Just seeing why, why it's a food place closing at five. I don't scratching my head here. Wanting chicken wings and a burger. Be closing the place at five. I don't know. Is John okay? <laughs> he sounds so <laughs> stoned. He does. Who leaves oh, a WhatsApp John. to a restaurant voice note? <laughs> smoked a massive bong and thought, right, I know what I need now. I need chicken wings, wings and, and a burger. burger. And there's only one place to get it in Antwitch, and that's Kennedy's. (laughs) But it's two minutes past five. My life is ruined. So, Darren, you need to keep your pasty shop open for You do. Let's hope you can make it anyway. That'd be so cool. Good. Knock on, knock off. Knock on, knock off. So, 
after the success of last last uh, episodes, <laughs> knock on knock off. <laughs> successful about it. I thought that all. was the funniest knock on knock off ever. Actually, <laughs> also my f- main success of knock on knock off. Yeah, you had all the answers, you dickhead. Did you get one question yeah. wrong as well? Sure. If I remember rightly. <laughs> Mad. Anyway, so going off the back of that theme, I thought, what Turkish theme? I'll take advantage of the fact that we have a Greek, Grecian, Greek, Grecian, Grecian, Greek, a Greek player on the team, and I just dug up for some information and got a few teams from it. So today's theme is Greek, the Greek oh, theme. Nice. So pleased. Do you so, want to go Sisley? No, no. Yeah. Is it up or down? Down. Down. Everything's down. Everything goes down when you're at 30. Down to the right. <laughs> I wish it did. Nothing goes down when you get past 30. You were already bad at the gra- geography, so I'm going to cut that completely from home, knock on, knock off for now on. Thank fuck for that. <laughs> right. Are ready for question number one? Absolutely not, but go for it. Past tits. Pa- oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Start, I'm not ready. Knock off. Right. Okay. Right. Pasticio RFC. Is that a knock on or a knock off? Knock off. Knock, knock off. on. I'm knock going on. knock off. Knock off. That's a point to Matt and Molly. Yes! Oh. Woohoo! Get in. It, That's my only one. It is a traditional Greek lasagna. Lou, aren't you wow. a chef? Are you? Not in Greece, I'm not. No. <laughs> Get with the program, Not in Nantwich after five either. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Not on a Monday, Tuesday or Wednesday evenings, thank you, or Sunday, yeah. Give a quick shout out to Callie as well for giving me all these answers, appreciate it. So if any of these hey, are Callie. wrong, blame her. Well, what's wrong with you giving me the answers as well? <laughs> well, this time I could do it myself, and you weren't given the answers, you were given the questions, so you could actually <laughs> ask the questions when I wasn't here, so people wouldn't miss out on their cock off, cock on. <laughs> But no, you you gave up and just thought, oh, she's giving me the answers, but she's not on the podcast. Oh, weird that. You just thought I was being really nice that week. You didn't actually explain it properly. All right, stop getting mouthy because you're losing. Right, next one. Centaurs RFC. The Centaurs RFC. Knock on. Knock on. Knock on. All correct. That is true. The Centaurs is a real RFC. I don't know any details about it because I didn't ask any further or do my own research. So, Jolly good. <laughs> next one we have the Cretan Gunners. The Cretan Gunners. Knock on or knock off? Ooh. Knock off. Knock on. I'm going knock off. Point to you, Matt. They are a real team. The Cretan what? Gunners. It's currently, it's Matt Molu in that order for winning. Let's see who can take it. So, <laughs> the Hippocrates RFC or the Hippocrates. Ooh. Hippocrates. Hippo. Knock on. Knock, knock on. on. Knock on. Knock on. All right. Correct. It's a real RFC. Next one. Stockard Channing RFC. Stockard Channing RFC. Knock off. Knock on. Knock on. Knock off. Knock off. It is, in fact, a knock off. Stockard Channing is the name of Rizzo (laughs) from Greece. (laughs) The musical. Not I like what you've done there, Jane. Like such. (laughs) Yep. And finally, the Doree Griffins. The Doreen Griffins. Knock on. I'm just saying knock on for everything from now on. They've got a 50-50 chance. <laughs> knock off. I'm going to say knock on. 
Okay, a point to Lou and Matt. That's the real rugby club. Mm. So the winner after that round of this week's episode 26 is Matt with six points, followed by Mole with four and Lou yeah! with three. <laughs> Louise, you lost, well. sucker. Well, what a surprise. <laughs> Not as big now you don't have the answers, are you, Lou? <laughs> no, and even when I have the answers, I don't feel particularly knowledgeable, so yeah. Right. <laughs> How the mighty have fallen, Louise. These chefs are shit. <laughs> The mighty were never up uh, with the geography. <laughs> no. Matt, Matt. Yeah. I think I've missed a couple of people off this fucking list. <laughs> I think. I think <laughs> one job. Oh, your editing is going to have to really be on point now no, to get this. Right. Well, I did wonder because you did say that like we're running out of space, but I thought there was not that many people on the list that you run. And we had to actually you... give you some names that we knew were confirmed. <laughs> like, isn't Goose going? Where's Sherry? <laughs> yeah, but they were just a given. I was just educating the, the wider team. Anyway, so yeah, we've got Shannon McElroy who is not any relation to Rory, I don't think. But she is a number 13 and plays for Exeter Saracens also. Brilliant. Could you play 10? I've not asked, mate. I didn't miss her off the list, for fuck's sake. So really sorry, <laughs> Shannon. Matt distracted me and I was, my Excel spreadsheet's having problems. I've been very, very busy, very busy. What do you mean? Is that it? Yeah, so we're on 17. Louise, I've got five spots. Oh, so you specifically just forgot that one person? Yeah, because it was on Instagram. Wow, Shannon's going to feel so, so wanted, isn't she? Yeah, (sighs) Shannon. Shannon. Not only have you been dumped by your own team, (laughs) you've now been left off the list by Molly, who had you hidden in column column 37B. Yeah, (laughs) it was actually, funnily enough, 17 double D. (laughs) Really? Hmm. That's, that's a really odd size. What do you mean? Very small back. You're, you're, you're anorexic with <laughs> yes. massive jugs. Definitely had a bit of work done there on the Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> it looks like she's had a bit of work done as well. I bet Shannon's <laughs> fucking lovely, you know, you lot, and you ripping the shit out of her. She was my We're star not the player. One who forgot her. She was my star player. I was just going to hold back. I don't want to release everyone at once because I don't want the other teams to start stressing. I think you need to give a formal apology to Shannon and Molly. Yeah, Shannon, we actually really can't wait to meet you, so apologies for I'm going to get a message from you live on the next podcast to say I can't yeah. make it. On that note, actually, next podcast, not this one, the next one will be the last podcast of the season until we start picking up again in August time when we start getting back to some actual rugby. Because much as we like talking shit, it'd be nice to actually talk about some rugby as well. So what you're so, saying is we're definitely, we're definitely having one week off. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so it's gonna, we're going to have a bit of a bit of a break. But in the meantime, we're going to send round a uh, a little monkey survey with some end of season shout out awards. At the moment, there's nothing to win. Maybe like a bag of sweets, or we'll probably find something at the in the bottom of a kit bag you can have or something. We can't have your job um, strap anymore as the booby prize. No, That's true burnt, that. Hasn't it? Been, it's been burnt. So we'll we'll come up with some kind of prize for you. But we're going to send a little survey around. It'd be nice to put out some shout-outs for different awards, different recognition. Yeah, so if you want to you want to give a shout-out to a player or a teammate, um, we'll put the link to the survey round in through the Rugby Network. There's also a little questionnaire in there about shower etiquette, which has obviously been a recurring theme throughout the podcast. So it'd be great if you could put that, put some information in there so that Jodie can 
put a science hat back on and crunch the numbers so we can come out with a definitive overview of the shower etiquette of the grassroots teams of the UK, which will be fascinating for everybody involved, I'd imagine. Do we know what these awards are yet, Matt, just in reference to Louise's comments? I did find my book. Oh, did you? <laughs> Where was it? <laughs> it was in the car. <laughs> Jodie, was it on your person? <laughs> <laughs> on or... On, within, <laughs> around. <laughs> in the general vicinity of your person. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Molly, this has all become clear to you when you listen to the next episode. I don't really want That's to know, it. to be honest. No, you don't. You really don't. You don't. But the, yeah, the categories are going to be... The coach... Oh, I need to actually read it out. Oh, are you not prepared? No. Don't miss one off the list. Yeah, there'll be lots of different categories. So there's going to be coach of the year, uh, team of the year, ref of the year even. There's going to be a gingerbread of the season. A picture of a penis. There's not going to be a picture of a penis of the season. <laughs> but that's what's in your book. There, there, is, that in my, there is that in my book. <laughs> um, newcomer, coach. Lots of different shout outs that we're going to put. So if you can enter the little survey, put some comments in, if you want somebody to have some recognition on the pod, then we'll do that in the next episode before we wrap up for um, the, the summer. So we'll get that over in the next couple of days. Thanks so much for listening to the pod. As always, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Good Pods. If you want to come to the event on the 27th of August, see our Facebook page for details and book a ticket via Eventbrite. A brilliant finish! This was Grassroots, women's rugby on the roots up.